and it's from James chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. The word of the Lord. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you say to him, Go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. The word of the Lord. Amen. Dr. Scott Camp has a unique blend of life experiences that give him a powerful, relevant ministry to reach the unreachable with a message of Christ. After an arrest for drug and alcohol felony in high school, he decided to commit his life to follow Christ and shortly thereafter was called to preach. Dr. Camp entered vocational ministry in 1982 and he now travels all over the world preaching at churches, crusades, and conferences. Thousands have responded to the gospel under his ministry worldwide. He has ministered to international audiences in person as well as via television and radio. Dr. Camp holds a Master's of Arts in Theology from Criswell College, graduating summa cum laude, as well as many other accolades and honors. Scott married his wife, Gina, in 1988, and they have four children, Sarah, Dylan, Joshua, and Madison. Shall we, with a round of applause, welcome our special guest, Reverend Dr. Scott Camp. Amen. Oh, Yamishra. Hey. Oh, Sofo. Madame Fopa. Madasi. Oh, Daddy. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. How many are happy to be in the house of God? Amen. You'd rather be here than in the hospital. Amen. It's a better place. Stand with me, would you please? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all over the building, please. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. How many of you would say, Scott, I'm not as close to God as I need to be. In fact, I'm not really sure that I have a dynamic faith in Jesus at all. And I've come today in hopes that something I may hear will change my life because I'm going through many, many, many problems. And I need God to speak to me today. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Let me see your hand. If that's you, pray for me today. Pray for me today. Father, you see every hand in this building and you know every person represented by every hand that's raised. You know every heart in this place. You know the broken heart. 
You know the bitter heart. You know the burdened heart. And Father, I'm asking you to do today what only you can do. As great as Calvary Baptist Church is, there's not a church in the world that can change anyone's life. But you can do it, Lord. And Father, there's not a preacher in the world that can make someone a new creation, but you can do it. And so, Father, I'm asking you to do today in this place what you did in my heart over 40 years ago in a jail cell, in a prison cell in the United States of America. Father, I'm asking you to give someone a heart transplant, to take out the old heart and give them a new heart. Oh, Jesus, come and do what only you can do. And we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise because we ask it in that name which is above every name. Say the name, church. Jesus. Say it out loud. Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said with great victory in their voices, amen, 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 amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. So wonderful to be here. God bless you, my precious friend. Oh, I'm excited to see all of the children here today and all of the young people here today. As a matter of fact, if you are a teenager, if you're from 13 to 19, would you stand up, please? All of the teenagers in the building, all of the young people stand right now. All of the young people stand, 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 stand. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise for these young people. Thank you, my brother. God bless you. Now, young people, look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Hey, preach time, no friend time. Amen. For the next few moments, I don't want you to talk to anyone around you. I don't want you to text anybody. I don't want you to touch anybody. I don't want you to go anywhere unless it's an emergency, and we'll stop the whole service and wait till you come back. Amen. But for the next few moments, I don't want you to do anything that would distract someone from hearing not what I have to say, but what the Bible has to say. Because what I have to say cannot change your life, but what God has to say can change you or your friend's life forever. Amen. And so I want you to listen very carefully. And I love you with all my heart. Let me tell you something. I didn't grow up in church. Some of you have a mom and dad who got you up this morning and said, we're going to church, and some of you don't really even want to be here. I didn't have a mom and dad like that. My mother was a prostitute. I was raised in the streets. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I had become a criminal. And my life was changed because there were three teenage girls who shared the gospel with me. Now, I didn't want to listen to them. Listen to me. I didn't want to hear what they had to say because I was trying to be the tough guy. Oh, I go all over Ghana and see young people that are trying to be very tough. But you are no match for God. Amen. You can't box with God. Your arms are too short toe. Amen. They begin to pray for me. They begin to fast for me. 
they begin to weep for me. And one month after they shared the gospel, I was committing a crime in Texas where I'm from. Pastor's been to Texas. It's a very big place, and it can be a very dangerous place, and I had become a very dangerous person. I was committing a crime when two officers pulled their pistols. They said, put your hands in the air. They arrested me. They put me in prison. They said, you're going to spend five years in this place because of your crime. And after a few days, zoom, zoom, crum, crum, the Holy Ghost of God began to convict me. Amen. Hey, for the first time in my life, I fell to my knees. I lifted my hands. I said, God, if you're really real, if you gave Jesus to die for me, if he rose from the dead and he's alive, then today I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my future, whatever it is. If I have to stay here five years or five days or five weeks or five months, I give myself completely to you. Let me tell you, I, I can't tell you what happened. I have three masters. I'm working on a second doctorate right now at Trinity Seminary right here in Lagone. And so I've taught theology. I've been a dean. I've written books. But let me tell you something. We don't have the capacity in our mind to understand the work of God. All I know is this. Like air coming into my lungs, Christ came to live in my heart. When I walked into the jail cell, I was one person. And when I left that prison, I was a brand new creation because of the power of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Amen. And from that day to this day, I've had one passion. I want to tell others that what Christ has done for me, he can do for them all. So I don't want you, young people, look at me, children. I don't want you to move. Don't touch anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Listen very carefully for the next few moments and let God speak to your heart. Some of you have grown up in church and Jesus is all around you, but he's not in you. You've never really met Jesus. And I believe today is your day and I love you and you may be seated in the presence of God and let's give the Lord a shout of praise for these kids. Amen. Thank you, my friend. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the, the little letter in the back of the New Testament that was written by the Lord's half-brother. His name was James, and he was the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem. Amen. And he's a bit of a prophet so buckle up your seats and get ready for what James has to say to us because it won't be easy for any of us because James doesn't deal with the theoretical and the abstract. James comes right down to the place where we live. And he talks about faith. And he talks about three kinds of faith. And I want you to see it here in the Bible. James chapter number 2. We've read it, but let's read it again. There are three kinds of faith. James chapter 2 and verse 14. Young people, look at it in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, look on with someone sitting around you. 
We believe the Bible is the Word of God. Amen. How many brought your Bible? Let me see all the Bibles. Let me see them in the air. Let me see them. Oh, that's a songbook. That's not a Bible. Amen. Bring your Bible. I can look at your Bible and tell what condition your life is in. If you have a dirty Bible, you have a clean heart. If you have a clean Bible, you have a dirty heart. Amen. Clean Bible, dirty heart. Dirty Bible, clean heart. James chapter 2. Now he asked a question. James chapter 2 verse 14. He asked a question that he heard his own half-brother ask on many occasions. What does it profit? You remember Jesus asked that question? He said, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world? All of the silver, all of the gold, all of the CDs, all of the U.S. dollars. What if a man had all the money and the riches of the whole world, but he lost his own soul? Jesus said that would be a very foolish man. And James said the same kind of thing here. He says, what does it profit, my brothers, if a man says, oh, in Ghana, hey, I've been coming to Ghana for more than 20 years. And now, oh, I'm not Obruni, I'm Babini. Amen. In fact, if you go to my village, Damanasi, in Ashanti, you know, Kumasi, Abwasi, Damanasi. That's my place. They won't call me evangelist. They call me Nana Kwame for the first Obruni chief. Amen. Hey, and now I'm living in Ghana, five minutes from this place, oh. I know Ghanaians, especially in the South. They all say they have faith. Uh, oh, everyone in the South of Ghana is saved. You see, born again taxi cab. Hallelujah, hair salon. God is in control. Uh, they all say I'm a Christian. I have faith. And James knew people like this in his own church. What would it profit a man if he says, though a man says he has faith, but he has no works? There's nothing to prove the genuineness of the faith that he professes. What would it profit that man if he says, I have faith, but he has no works? Can that kind of faith Save him. And of course, it's a rhetorical question, and the answer is what? Say it out loud, church. No. Can that kind of faith save you? Say it. No. It can't save you. It's an intellectual, oh, 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 it's an intellectual faith. There are many people in Ghana, they can quote the creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, so on and so on and so on. And so they think because they know some things about God that that faith will save them. And James says, Debbie, 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 Debbie. No, 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 no. Amen. There are people in this room right now. If you died today, 
You dropped your chin on a pulseless chest and closed your eyes for the last time this side of eternity. And we had your funeral, put your body in a box, took you to the burial place, dropped cold clods on you, wrote your name on the face of a tombstone, and came to the church to eat foo-foo and talk about what a wonderful person you are. But you will miss heaven and go to hell by 18 inches. 18 inches from here to here. Because you think an intellectual faith can save you. And James says, no. It won't save you. As a matter of fact, he gives an illustration. Look at this. Suppose there is a brother or sister. Someone that we share common humanity with. Look at me. We are all created in the image of God. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. You say, oh, I have my own company. I drove Mercedes to this place. You are no better than someone begging on the streets, so. That person is created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. James says, what if you see such a person? And they are destitute. Look at this. They, are, they don't have fufu to eat today. And you say to them, oh, Yamishrao. Oh, God bless you. Go in peace. Be warmed and filled. But you don't give them anything that are needful to the body. What does it profit? Nothing. My brother, you are a hypocrite. Oh, I'm going to preach it. Amen. And you need to repent. Oh, we don't hear that word much in church anymore. Repent. Amen. It's the message of the prophets. It's the message of John the Baptist. It cost him his head. It's the message of Jesus. It's the message of James. Will that kind of an intellectual faith save you? No, no, no. Verse 20, 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? Say it. Dead. Say it out loud. Dead. That's the first faith. Dead faith. It's like a dead tree. You remember Jesus saw a fig tree? It looked very nice when you looked on it, but Jesus was very hungry that day. So he looked for the fruit, but it had no fruto. It was dead, and Jesus cursed it. And the next day, it had died from the roots up. James said there is a dead faith. It is an intellectual kind of faith. Look down at verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, you know what death is? Physical death is when your soul, your spirit, uh, I think, do we call it angwa? Uh-huh, your, your, your soul, your, your life goes into the presence of God or separated from God. The body is dead when the spirit leaves the body. So faith if it has not works, is what? Dead. Graveyard faith. Corpse faith. Dead faith. You know, if we brought a body here today, the spirit had left it. The body is here. 
Hey, we could take some nice fufu. We could take some nice beefsteak. We could wave it in front of the nose of that person. But because they are dead, they have no what? No appetite. Some of you have no appetite for the things of God. You don't even bring your Bible to church, much less read your Bible tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. Church for you, you know what I found out about Ghana? Look at me, listen to me, young person. Ghanaians love church. Amen. Oh, they love it. You get to dress up. You're looking nice, oh. Ah. We like to dance in Ghana. You can dance. We like music in Ghana. We like to socialize and see our friends. We like to hear some, some message as long as it's very short old. And it doesn't cost anything to come. Some, they even come empty-handed. Ah. Uh. You love church. But in fact, you have no appetite for the things of God. You are dead. Your mother has brought you to church, so you come to church. Your father was a deacon, so you come to church. And then they say, oh, this man has been in church a long time. And he, in fact, is a good businessman. He has money. Let's make him a deacon. And the man is not born again, oh. Hey! I was pulled over by a policeman not long ago. You know what he said? Oh, he said, oh, Bruni. Uh. He said, oh, your window shield is a bit too dark. Oh. I said, what do you want? He said, how about 50? I said, my brother, are you going to church this Sunday? You know what the man said? I'm a deacon in the church. I said, my brother, let me tell you something. I'm going to give you 50. I want you to take half and put it in the offering. I want you to take the other half and give it to your wife. She deserves it for having to be married to a man like you. You are a hypocrite. A dead faith. Then he says there's demon faith. Hey, look what he says. Oh, you say there is one God. Are you listening, choir? Hey, you know when the devil fell, he fell in the choir loft. Amen. But this sanctified choir. Amen. Oh, you say there is one God. Look at this. They're very proud. These Jews... They are monotheist. Muslims, monotheist. Christians, monotheist. Even our forefathers in Ghana were monotheist. Oh, you say you believe in one God. Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Oh, James will stand and clap for them. You say you believe in one God. Oh, you're doing very well, oh. The devil also believes and trembles. Dead faith is intellectual faith. Demon faith 
is emotional faith. Hey, are you still listening? The demons tremble. Oh, they know the holiness of, you know, I've seen people tremble in church. I've seen the prophet. You know these prophet guys. P-R-O-F-I-T, prophet. They will take a person and spin them, spin them, spin them, spin them, until the person is so dizzy they just fall down. Then the church will, oh, sum sum kong kong. No, the man is dizzy, oh. Because when he gets up, he's the same man. He beats his wife. He cheats in business. He will lie to you. He'll look you in the eye and lie to you. That's demon faith. Emotional. Oh, we have, you know, Ghana, we like to be emotional. But it doesn't get to the very heart of the person. Charles Finney, the great revivalist, said, There is a quickening that falls short of regeneration. A person can become very emotional when they hear the music. Maybe they hear a, a, an inspiring sermon. They say, oh, I'm going to do better. Oh, I'm trembling even in the presence of God. I'm very emotional. But it doesn't change the person's life. Huh. There is dead faith. That's an intellectual faith. Oh, I believe this and this and this and this, but it's never changed my heart. There is a demon faith that can even make you tremble. You know Festus or Felix trembled. Amen. The Bible says Felix, what? He was touched with conviction, but he said, Let, let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. You know, tomorrow is the devil's biggest lie because tomorrow never comes. Some of you, your wife loves Jesus, and because you love your wife, you'll come to church with her, but in fact, you yourself have never been truly converted, but you say, I'll do it tomorrow. You've been saying tomorrow for more than 10 years, and tomorrow never comes. Jesus said today is the day of salvation. He said now is the accepted time. Amen. Dead faith. Demon faith. But let me show you the last one and I'm finished. There's a dynamic faith. There's a faith that moves you. It moves you to obedience. James says when you look at a person, you can tell whether or not they have dynamic faith because they obey God. Amen. Church, listen to me. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. And there were two illustrations he gives. He says, remember Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. But 30 years later, that faith was put to the test. Abraham, take your boy, the one you love so much. 
hey, 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 the one you have made an idol of and sacrifice him. Go to Mount Moriah. Put the wood on his back. Take him to the top and sacrifice. And you know what Abraham did? He obeyed God because he had dynamic faith. And Hebrews said he knew that if he plunged the knife into the boy's chest that God would raise him up from the dead in order to keep his promise. Through your seed I will bless all the nations. Amen. I said amen. Is this Methodist church or what? Is it Catholic or what? You know in the Baptist church we say amen. And then the second illustration is Rahab. Now look at me. One person was a covenant, the father of the Jews. The other one was a Gentile. One was a godly man, the other a prostitute, like my mother. But it doesn't matter whether you are a church person or whether you are living on the streets, there's only one way to come to God, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. And the same God who justified Abraham by faith, and that dynamic faith produced obedience, also justified this harlot, and she obeyed God as well. You know the story. Look at me. Both of them are found in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus because salvation is by grace through faith. Amen. Now listen to me and I'm finished. We have to go to the next service. Give me just another minute. You are saved by grace alone through faith alone. Amen. That's what we believe in. Amen. But faith that saves is never alone. You are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. You can look at the person's life, and you see them change. They're not perfect, but you begin to see this dynamism, this faith taking root and producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. Amen. In February, when we finally moved full-time to Ghana, there's a coffee shop by ANC Mall, D Cafe. Do you know the place? Do you enjoy coffee? You are British. You like your tea. You know, Ghana has the best coffee in the whole world, and I can't find Ghanaians to drink coffee, except for Pastor, because he was in U.S. so long Oh. So you know what I do? I go to this place. I take my Bible. I don't put my Bible on my phone. The people might think I'm looking at pornography. I take my Bible. I'm not ashamed to take my Bible anywhere. And I open my Bible. I get my coffee. I begin reading the Bible, and I begin reading the room. I say, sum sum kron kron. Who can I speak to about Jesus? My brother, let me ask you a question. Are you a soul winner? 
When's the last time you personally led someone to Jesus Christ? Oh, that's why we pay our pastor. No, you are backslidden. If you are saved at all. You see, when a person meets Jesus, the person cannot help. They must share Jesus with everyone. The great South African evangelist Andrew Murray said there are two kinds of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. You say, oh, I'm a preacher. Look at me. Ghana has enough preachers. We need reachers. Amen. So I just began to go in and read my Bible and look and look and look and look and look. I smile. Oh, Yamishrao. Oh, saying, I speak some treat to them. But one day, Obruni guy, I've been noticing him. He's a very successful guy. Very, very young guy, but very rich old. He comes to me. He says, please, may I join you? I said, come. He sat down and began to weep. He said, I have enough money. I can buy any car. He said, I can drive Jaguar, Mercedes Benz. I can drive anything I want to. I live in a big house. But in fact, my life is empty. All around us, there are those people. Huh. They are who's who in the corporate world. They are who's he in their own home. I began to listen to the man. I gave him a copy of the book that I want to give everyone in this. I brought books for everyone. I don't sell them. Hey, I would be afraid. If I sold a book in church, I would be afraid God would kill me. I don't sell things. That others can do it. I don't do it. I live by faith. Oh. He began to pour his heart out to me. After a period of time, I said, hey, I've witnessed to him. He said, I'm preaching Easter Convention. Evangel Assemblies of God. I'm a Baptist-costal. Amen. I can preach Baptist, preach Pentecost, because I preach Jesus. Last week, I was in Presby and Wah. Next week, Methodist and Narongo, because I preach Jesus. I said, why don't you come Good Friday? He said, I've never been to church since I was a small boy. I don't even have clothes. I said, unless you're naked, put on what you have and come. I preach Jesus. And the man, he, he got so happy when I gave the altar call. He didn't walk to the front like over 100 people that night. He started running from the back hole. He ran up to the platform. He hugged me in front of the whole church. He said, I want Jesus. He gave his life to Now look at me, look at me. You know what that man, you know how I know he's saved? He's already led five people to Jesus. He's been a Christian for less than, is it eight months? And he's led five. In fact, he brought a young man to my apartment on Friday morning. He said, this young man is Ben. I don't know enough to, to tell him. Can you talk to him? Ben gave his life to Christ. Then Ben looked at me. He hangs out in Osu with prostitutes and Rastas. He said, he said, oh, evangelist, I have a prostitute friend. Can I bring her to your house? I said, bring her. And bring her friends. And bring the Rastas. Bring them to my place. My wife will cook them a very nice American meal. She'll cook. We'll have a party. That's what Jesus said. How can you look at a person and think because you go to church you are better than them? James says you have dead faith. 
I want every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. How many would say, Scott, I've been born again. There's no doubt in my mind. If I should die today, heaven would be my home. I know, I remember the time, the place. I repented of my sin. I've trusted Christ. Jesus is alive in me. It's not just intellectual faith. It's not just emotional faith. Jesus Christ is changing me. Oh, I'm not perfect, but I love Jesus with all my heart. Is that your testimony? If that's your testimony, put your hand in the air all over this building. I know that I'm born again. Put your hand in the air. If you know you're born again, put your hand. Put both hands in the air and say, thank you, Jesus. Just say it. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I want you to begin praying for those around you. Because there are many, many, many people in this room who could not lift their hand. They don't know that they know that they know down deep inside they've met Jesus and been born again. Will you pray for them? It might be your son, your daughter, your husband, your wife, your best friend. It might be your son or your daughter. Would you pray for them? Begin to pray that today they would come to Christ. And then let me ask you a simple question. If you could not lift your hand, what is keeping you from Jesus today? Is it your pride? Are you afraid you won't be able to live this Christian life? No one can live it. Jesus comes in you to live it and help you. But you must make a decision. Young person, you've put it off too long. Charlie, you've put it off too long. Today is your day. You may never have another moment like this. You may never feel the way you feel right now ever again in your life. Don't let this moment pass you by. I'm going to voice a prayer for those who want to come to Christ today by faith and have their whole life changed. He will change you. It won't be easy. But the church will you. Let's make a decision. Because your father is a Christian, it doesn't make you a Christian. You must come to Christ for yourself. And so I want to voice a prayer because the Bible says, we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth. I want you to make a confession today. I want you to do what I've seen over one half of a million people do all over the world face to face. I want you to say yes to Jesus. We're all praying for you. As a matter of fact, we will all pray with you. I want everyone to pray, but someone for the first time. Doing business with God. Someone for the first time in a long time. It's time to come back home. Are you ready? Everyone praying this prayer. Jesus. Come on, pray it like you mean it. Jesus. Thank you. For loving me so much that you went to the cross. You had dynamic faith to obey your Father. In spite of the shame, in spite of the pain, for the joy set before you, you went to the cross. You suffered in my place. You shed your blood for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe it with all my heart. Thank you that you have risen from the dead. 
You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, today, the best I know how, I'm giving you my life. I turn from my old life and I give you my heart. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Save me. Forgive me. Change me. I want a dynamic faith. And I really mean it. I really mean it. In Jesus' name. Now every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Is there anyone in this place who prayed that simple prayer with me? Is there anyone? For the first time in your life you prayed to say yes to Christ. If that's you, I want you to look up at me right now. If you prayed that prayer with me, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, young man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. What you're saying is today, I don't want to play games with God anymore. Today, I want to give my life completely and totally to Jesus Christ. Now, I have one simple question for you. Here's the question. Do you mean it? Young man, do you mean it? Young lady, do you mean it? Hey, sir, do you mean it? If you mean it, my brother, do you mean it? I've been praying for you since we shook hands over. If you mean it, I want you to do what I've seen thousands of thousands of Ghanaians in the last two months do all over Ghana. I want you to make an open profession of faith in Christ Jesus. If you prayed with me just now and you're not ashamed, I want to pray with you right here. So if you're looking up or you know you need to be, I'm going to ask you very quietly and very reverently just to stand. Everyone who prayed that prayer, stand right now. Stand right now. If you prayed with me just now, just stand. Stand to your feet. Amen. 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 I want you to come quickly right now. Come. Come, 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 come. Don't look around. Don't wait on anybody. Come, 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 come. Come, 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 come. Come, come. Young man, come. Come, 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 come. If you prayed with me, come. Come, come, come. Come, come, come. Let's all stand, church. Everyone in the building, stand. Stand, stand. Let's sing our song as others come. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Everyone who prayed, come. Come to Jesus. Oh, come. Sing, my friend. Sing, my friend. Come, come, come. Come to Christ. Amen. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Sing this song, church. In the light of his word. Church, sing, trust and obey. To be happy. Father, lift your hands to the Lord. That's surrender. Jesus, I thank you that these are new members of the family of God. 
Lord, help us to love them, to surround them, to disciple them, to nurture them, to teach them, to win others too. Father, may they know the joy of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I love you.